hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Can I Be Real podcast. It is moi, your girl, Rachel. If the reason I don't have, I'm not giving that energy, it's because I've done this like five times trying to get it right. And I'm like, I'm like, this, this is it. This, this one's going to make it regardless if it's good or bad. So we're going to give it, we're going to give it our best shot. Everything is okay. We're not sinking. We're winning. So. As you saw by the title, the movie for today's review and word of encouragement is Respect, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. It came out August 2021, and it was a good movie. Um, before we jump into the movie review, you know, we got to say a little prayer, and then we'll get started. So, Heavenly Father God, thank you, Lord, for this time. I pray, Lord God, that it will be useful, beneficial, and encouraging to all those who listen and hear it. I pray this in your son, Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're gonna roll the sleeves up a little bit, get into it. So, I'm the all right, real quick. I want to say, I want to preface by saying, I will not be reading, I will not be reading the movie summary for this movie because we know what this movie's about, you know what I'm saying? It's it's about Aretha Franklin, it's about her life from the ages of 10 to like her mid 30s. There's no reason to read about it. You can you can just read about it on Wikipedia, on biography.com, whatever. So we're not going to read the movie review or the movie summary. We're going to get into the movie review. And to start off the movie review, I want to say that IMDb gave it a 7. And for the first time in, I don't know, can I be real history, I guess, I too am giving it a 7. It gave it a 7 on the dot and I agree with it being a 7. It was really good. Um, there obviously no movie, no film is perfect, but overall the acting and the singing and the performance, the overall performances from all the actors were, um, they were great. They were phenomenal. They were, they were, they were worthy of, I don't know, this is a movie that would receive like any kind of awards, but definitely a, a clap, you know, a clap at the end of the movie. It's definitely one of those. Um, and to also say that one of the things that kind of sets the tone for the casting of this movie as well as just the tone for the movie in general is just the knowledge of knowing that Aretha Franklin chose Jennifer Hudson to play her in the movie about her life. So just to know that Aretha Franklin handpicked Jennifer Hudson. She said, I want that girl right there, that woman with the beautiful voice. That's the woman I want to play me in the movie about my life. And so Jennifer Hudson had that, she you know, like she had, that was an honor, you know what I'm saying? And so that sets the tone for the movie as well as the rest of the cast. Um, you know, they got to, they had to get some, some pretty heavy hitters to play, to fill these roles. And so I think they did a really good job. So we had Jennifer Hudson playing Aretha Franklin. We had Forrest Whitaker playing her father. We had Audra McDonald playing her mother. And we had Marlon Wayans playing her first husband, Ted White. And that's just a couple of the names that popped up in this movie. There was a good amount of people in the movie, um, notable people in the movie. But those are just the ones, the main characters. Um, like I said, overall, it was great singing, great acting performances. Bravo. Snaps, claps, chef kisses. It was great. Um, so into this movie review, I got some things to say, you know, I, I have some, I have some critiques. I have some problems overall. The movie was good, but when it comes to real life, that's when that's the disconnect. So to start off, I want to say this movie was long. It was like two and a half hours long. And I dabbled with the idea of falling asleep at the beginning of the movie, but I was like, no, no, we came to watch the movie. 
money has been spent we are here we gonna watch this movie so you better wake up and so i kind of woke myself up a little bit and made sure that i was awake to watch this movie because i wanted to see it i took time out of my day to watch it but i was it was hot that day and i was i was comfortable so we watched it it was good it was worth it but the movie was long in the first 30 35 40 minutes of the movie slow and like you get it like I get it it needed to be slow to build the character development to get the backstory blah 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 blue day blue but it was just slow and so it was just a struggle you know what I'm saying it was a struggle sometimes to stay focused stay awake but over it was necessary it's one of those necessary evils that you have to have it's hard to make a backstory interesting well, I don't say interesting it's hard to make a backstory not slow unless there's a lot of action in the backstory and there's not usually most of the time it's not a lot of action in the backstory it's just to give context to the character and so that's what it did it gave a lot of context there was some stuff that went down but it gave mostly just context so like I said we see um Aretha Franklin starting off in the movie she's like 10 10 to 12 years old and y'all know I got my notes don't go nowhere without the notes <clears throat> So yes, we see Aretha Franklin. She's like 10 to 12 years old. She's singing her dad's, uh, her father's church choir. Um, and she's also singing at the parties that her dad would throw. So her dad would throw these parties, which we'll talk about later. Her dad would throw these parties and it would have some some great names up there. Uh, we would have Sam Cooke was at the party, Dinah Washington, Ella Fitzgerald, just to name a few of the people who would be at these parties. So that just kind of shows, shows you where she was at, where he was at, the kind of life they were living back in the 50s. Okay. Um, so, but we have um, a 10-year-old Aretha Franklin singing in her father's choir at the church, as well as singing at these parties. Her dad would, like, wake her up, be like, hey, they want you to sing a song. And so she'd go sing them a song, and then she'd go back to sleep. And so that kind of shows you, like, she's rubbing elbows from a young age with some of these heavy hitters in the in the game. And so that was that was pretty interesting to watch, too. Um, so we also, we all, and like something, another person who popped up in the movie that I thought was pretty cool, obviously not the real person, but they had, she, she knew Smokey Robinson too. And I'm like, what? This woman knew Smokey? Like, she was like, she knew a lot of the heavy hitters. Like, she was not one of them. I started from the bottom. Now we hear kind of, kind of singers. Like she, she had, she had friends in high places when she, when she got ready to start out. Like her, she knew of people, like her dad knew of producers and music uh music company owners and whatever the whole nine like she knew people he knew people so getting her a record deal was not that hard I'm gonna throw that out there it was not that hard some people had to scrape and scrap and you know blood sweat and tears to get into the get it get a record deal Rita kind of just glided on in she's glided on in that's okay everybody got their thing everybody got their own way into the world she left an impact a great beautiful impact on the world but she glided into the spot I mean, she had to put in work, as we'll talk about. But initially, she knew people. Doors were open because she knew people. And that's okay. We love to see we love to see black people doing well. We love to see black people rubbing elbows with other high society black people. It makes us feel good, you know what I'm saying? Especially back in that day. So off my rant, back to the movie. So after we see her with these at these little parties, singing and everything, we also see her with her mother, played by Audra McDonald, and she sings with her mother. And even though there's a short period of time that we actually see her with her mother, maybe like five minutes, um, you can tell that she has a really strong attraction, um, attraction? Attachment, a really strong attachment to her mom. 
um, which is, makes it sad when her mom dies when she's only 10. So she dies in the first like 10 minutes of the mo- 10, 15 minutes of the movie. And that was kind of sad to watch because you have a young Aretha Franklin running outside after she hears that her mother was, had died. Um, and she runs outside, runs and runs to the street and she's just looking out at the street crying. And then her dad comes and picks her up and she's sobbing on his shoulder and it's just emotional. You know what I'm saying? It was sad. It was really sad to watch, but the show must go on. So, so after, so then there's another scene in the movie where at one of these parties, there's this man, he's maybe 17, 18 or older. So he's an adult. If he's almost an adult, if not an adult, she's 10. And in the movie, you see him come into her room talking about some, I can be, it's like, do you have a boyfriend? I can be your boyfriend. Everybody in the movie looking at this fool, like, excuse me, sir, this is a little girl. And so they kind of lead you, the movie leads you to believe that she was raped as a child. Next thing you know, they flash forward. She's like 18. She got two sons who are like, I guess like seven, six, seven, eight or nine or something like that. She got two sons. And so you're like, did he, I'm like, did he rape? So I'm like, he raped her and she got pregnant. And then she had, I was, you know, in the movie, you were like, oh my gosh, you felt so like, man, she's been through so much. And she's only, she's only like, she's not even 20 yet. And so like, that was that energy you carried with you throughout the whole movie. And it really kind of, you know, you're like, oh man, Aretha, you've been through so much. No wonder you got so much soul in your voice when you singing. And she has been through a lot. However, I did some research and I found out because I wanted to know what how old she was when she had these kids. Because obviously Jennifer Hudson don't change her face throughout the movie. So Jennifer Hudson at only the only thing that changed on Jennifer Hudson was her hair and her clothes and her makeup. So but nothing like no, no age makeup or whatever. And so Jennifer Hudson goes from she's 18, but she looks the same as when she's 30. And so I'm like, I don't know how old she was at the when they were saying that she was a late teen. I don't know how old she was. I was like, she looked 30. But you know, anyway. But I did some research and I found out that she had two sons before she was, when she was, when she was still a teenager, she had her first son at 12, her second son at 14. And, um, she never really told anybody who the dad was. There was speculation that it was a classmate of hers from school, but all the research that I did, um, there was not a lot, but the research that I did do on the, 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 the identity of the fathers of these two kids, none of it led to the Ned led to the fact that she had been raped as a child. And so that right there is my, one of my complaints about this movie. One of my problems is that like, I understand that when it comes to some of these movies, some of these biopics, if you will, like you're, they're based on real events based on a person's life, but you know, they add a little extra, they take some stuff away. But to me, it's a lot to add a childhood rape. You know what I'm saying? Don't do that. Ain't nobody told you to add that. You know what I'm saying? So I kind of had a problem with them making the audience believe that she had been raped as a child when his, like, nobody, nope, none of her siblings, she, her children, like, nobody said, no one, no one has said that she was raped as a child and that was, one of those kids was a product of rape. No one said that. And so that kind of bothered me. Like after I did that research and I was doing my research for this movie review, I was like, so she wasn't, so they lied. They embellished. I was like, don't embellish. Don't embellish on somebody's life like that. No, 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 no. And so that was one of my big problems with this movie was that a lot of the stuff that they showed us in the movie didn't actually happen or 
they covered up a lot of stuff, which brings us to our second point. Um, the second thing about this movie that the second thing was well, the biggest overall things that they embellished and they covered up and they, they added stuff and they took stuff away. But the one being that she was, there was no, there was no indication in my research. Like I said, it was limited, but any of the research that I did, nothing indicated that she had been raped as a child and that her first son was the child was the product of this rape. So I was kind of bothered by that because they made it seem like that was the case. The second thing was that at, so you see her, you know, her father's a preacher and then, you know, they're doing revivals and everything. And there she's traveling with her dad singing and the, the revivals. But I did a little research, a little more research. Come to find out her daddy, the preacher main, preacher Franklin, was out here. He was a womanizer. Um, he was a womanizer. There's kind of talks like in the movie. I think they kind of made it seem like her dad had abused her mom as well. I don't know if that's true or not. But all I know is her dad had her dad so these parties these parties i told you we come back to these parties that she, that we saw at the beginning of the movie they look they looked like it was a bunch of older people smoking drinking you know getting a little too handsy nothing crazy so i did a little research and there were people who like people like ray charles i don't know how he knew but anyway ray charles and somebody else they were like yeah these parties were crazy and it was the church folk <gasps> the church folk were up in these parties acting a whole fool and so I, that, that was like a disillusionment. Like you had, you know, and it was, dis, it was a disillusionment to, the, to watching the movie. But it was also the harsh reality of people in the church. Um, we don't practice what we preach. And that's a whole other thing that I was not planning on talking about. But, you know, we are up in the, we'll be up in the pulpit. Repent. The, the, you know, the blood of Christ compels you on Sunday. But then Monday through Saturday, we'll be acting a whole fool in the streets. And so her dad was throwing these wild parties. There was drinking. There was drug abuse. There was sex going on at these parties. And it was just like, you know, it was kind of like, you know, people, historians have kind of believed that because of the environment that she grew up around being on these being on the revivals with her dad seeing a whole bunch of stuff her father was a womanizer her father had actually gotten a 13 year old girl pregnant a congregant from his hemish church 13 or 14 she was a young girl he had gotten her pregnant and she had a son um and so like you know her dad was a womanizer her dad was a pedophile um her dad was out here in the streets himself and so it's like well no wonder she had two kids by the age of you know by 14 by 15 like that's the environment she grew up around she grew up around sex drinking drug abuse no wonder she was an alcoholic in her later years you know what i'm saying and so i was like you know obviously in the movie they don't tell you this they don't show you that i mean you see her having her being her drinking a lot towards the end of the towards the end of the movie um but you don't, and you see that her dad has a lady friend who's not his, who's not his wife and is not his, not her mom. But you don't, you don't see none of the extra stuff that goes on. You don't know that it's the church being up at these parties acting the, the worst ones. And so I was like, it was, I was like, once again, I'm like, see, y'all added a rape. And then you want to take away the, her daddy was out here act, in the streets, dabbling in the streets. She was dabbling in the streets as a little girl. He was dabbling in the streets as a grown man. I'm like, see y'all taking, taking away from the thing. And I didn't like that. I didn't like that at all. But it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Um, that was just one of, that was probably the biggest thing about this movie that I was like bothered by. I'm like, like I get it. Like you're trying to, you're trying to, you're trying to, you're trying to encroach us and rapture us in the drama. But tell the truth. 
the, the truth is dramatic enough. You know what I'm saying? And so I was, I was a little bothered by the fact that they, they embellished, they took, they added some, some unnecessary drama to her childhood in the movie. And then they took out a lot of stuff that had to do with, that had to do with her father in the movie. And I get it. It wasn't about his, her father, but her father's life, um, you know, has an in has a had a impact on her how she acted you know what i'm saying so i was a little i was a little peeved by that but one of the good things about this movie that i enjoyed though was seeing her relationship with martin luther king jr so they show her like i said she was doing these revivals with her father these tent revivals um and she also was a you know she also participated in the civil rights movement she i don't think I don't think she ever got a quote unquote march, but she would when Martin Martin would take her with her take her with him along with a couple other gospel singers and all that good stuff. Um and she would sing, you know, after he would preach or whatever. And I really liked seeing how involved in the civil rights movement she was because I mean like that was the that was the stuff back in the day. Still kinda is, but like especially back in the sixties, like that was that was the move. Especially, you know, if you're trying to that was the move excuse me and so it was really it was interesting to see like just they were like that you know that they there was like a camaraderie a friendship that she had with Martin Luther King Jr. that's crazy you know my to think that the Aretha Franklin was good friends with the Martin Luther King Jr. like small world kind of thing and so well, that was interesting to watch so all this crazy stuff the first half of this episode has been only the first hour of the movie you know what I'm saying the rest of the movie we're going to sum it up because it was a lot. It was a lot. You got to watch the movie for yourself to see what this a lot means. But the rest of the movie, we see Aretha Franklin's fight to become the queen of soul. Um, we see her public success with music as well as her private battles with excessive drinking, PTSD from her childhood trauma. And there, uh, I use air quotes because there was childhood trauma. It is traumatic to have a child at 12, to have a child at 14. It is traumatic to lose your mother at 10. Um, but I just do the air quotes because they added, they added some stuff that I'm like, they shouldn't have added. Cause that, like I said, her childhood was traumatic enough. Um, but yeah, you see her, all the excessive drinking PTSD from her losing her mother and all that good stuff. You see, she's battling with an abusive relationship with her husband, her first husband and manager, Ted White played by Marlon Wayans. And so you just see a lot of her, you see a lot, just, you see just the back and forth she has of trying to make it in her music, trying to focus on her music while also these private battles that she's fighting and facing with her family, um, within herself. It's just, it's, it, what was so encouraging though, was that she just kept fighting. Like, I love to see her keep fighting and she was becoming, she was standing up for herself as the movie was going on. Like, she was, she was fine. She was very timid at the beginning of the movie. At the end of the movie, you know, she was singing. She was doing what she wanted to do. She was singing how she wanted to sing. She was singing the songs that she wanted to sing. Like, it was just encouraging to watch her own her voice, own her style, own her name, own her. You know what I'm saying? And so that was encouraging to watch. That was exciting to watch, just to watch her come into her own. But in the midst of her coming to her own, you know, there is a scene, there was a time when she went and like, she went from one extreme to the other. She went from being too timid to speak up to now she's pushing people away. She's like, you don't want what's best. You don't know what I need. You don't know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, sis, calm down. We just want the best for you. But she couldn't see it that way. And so she's fighting with these people. We're like, eh. And so that was kind of bothersome. But that's, that was like the climax. That was, that led to the best part of the movie to me, which was the last 20, 30 minutes of the movie which I'll talk about. It's in my notes. So the last like 20 to 30 minutes of the movie, we have Aretha Franklin at her lowest point. 
she has essentially pushed everybody away from her. Um, and she is drinking all the time. She's drinking, day drinking, night drinking, just drinking, drinking, drinking. And they show a distraught Aretha Franklin kind of stumble to her knees. And she begins to recite the Lord's Prayer. And, you know, like, so that was, in, that was intentional and very intense because, you know, she grew up in the church. She witnessed a lot. She lived through a lot. Um, and for a period of there, you know, for a time there, she was, you know, not in the church at all. She was doing the exact opposite of the things that she was raised to believe. Um, and so you see her kind of coming, her little come to Jesus moment, literally. And so she's, she's kneeling on her, on her knees and she was looking a hot mess, right? Like she had just woke up from all day drinking. Her hair was a hot mess. Her clothes was all raggedy. Like she just looked a hot mess. And but she stacked she and she had a bottle in her hand. She kind of pushes the bottle to the side. She stumbles to her knees and she starts saying the Lord's Prayer. And as she's on her knees saying the Lord's Prayer, her mother appears to her. And obviously it's you know, it's like a apparition, a ghost, I don't know, a spirit. It would Obviously, her mother wasn't really there because her mother had died. But her mother appears to her, and her mother comes over to her, and she kneels beside her. And her mother begins to sing Amazing Grace. Mm. That part was touching, yo. When her mom begins to sing Amazing Grace, and, like, she's just crying in her mom's arms. as her, and she, I think she begins to, say, to sing Amazing Grace, too. Or maybe she continues to sing the Lord's Prayer. Whatever it is, she's reciting the Lord's Prayer. Her mom is singing Amazing Grace. And it is just a really touching moment to watch. Just her realizing that she's at the bottom and the only way up is by with God. You know what I'm saying? Like, that part, that's the part of the movie that maybe be like, oh, we gotta do, we gotta... Oh my bad. Something fell out of my pocket. I'm like, we gotta do a review on this. Like, it's too easy. We gotta do a review. And so I did. Um, and yeah, so the next morning after this this come to Jesus moment, we see her throwing away all her alcohol, all her all her old bottles, and you see her returning to an interest in gospel music. And so at the end of the movie, she decides to make a gospel album. Um, and she wants to produce it herself. And this is like this is, um, so she goes back to her father's church because she wants her father's church choir, the choir she grew up grew up with, to sing on her gospel album. And so she goes back to Detroit and she produces her 1972 gospel album entitled Amazing Grace. And I don't know the exact statistics, but the album went on to sell like millions of copies. Like it was it was probably the first of its kind, the first gospel album to reach that kind of success, especially during that time, um, and probably one of the more notable gospel albums today. Um, like I said, I don't know the exact statistics on that album, but just know it top charts, you know what I'm saying? And so overall, that was really, it was really intriguing, really great to watch. And so just that, the ending, that come to Jesus moment that she had, singing Amazing Grace, throwing away, repenting of her actions and trying to walk on that, the straight and narrow, trying to get back to her path of, um, you know, living for God, whatever that looked for her. Um, that That's what leads us to the lesson, the word portion of the, 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 the episode. Um, so, you know, I got to, I don't really have a, I don't really have anything like any, any, anything to like speak of. I really just want the word to just speak for itself. 
and then I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll take it back. I'm gonna flush it out. I'm gonna flush it out a tad bit, but I really just want to focus on what the word says. So the first one I'm gonna read is Revelations chapter three, verse 20. And I'm reading all these out of the NLT. So Revelations chapter three, verse 20 says, and this is, this is Jesus talking um, to the church. It says the message to the church of Laodicea. It says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. So that right there, that supports, you know, the first, the first idea of how God is never far away. Um, God, like I said, the, the, the takeaway from this movie is the takeaway from the takeaway from that scene. The last minute, the last 30 minutes of the movie is the takeaway on the spiritual application for this movie. And that is that God is never far away. I'll read the, I'll read chapter, chapter or, verse 20 again like I said it said look I stand at the door and knock if you hear my voice and open the door I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends like that is just so encouraging to me that God is never far away Jesus is right there he just he's waiting for you to just open the door and invite him in he said I want to share a meal with you and that was like you know after seeing this movie seeing that scene of her just falling to her knees and how I mean God lifted her back up He's like, I just want to share a meal with you. I just want to be with you. And that's just so encouraging, isn't it? Is it just, is it just me? Or is it just me? I think it's not just me. It's just really encouraging to know that God is just right there. He's just waiting for us to turn around and be like, God, you know what? I messed up. I can't do this on my own. I'm sorry. I need you to help me. He's like, oh, bet. That's all you had to say, baby. We can do this. We can do this. We can do this. We can get you back on track. I want the best for you. I want to share a meal with you. I want to be with you. That's God. God just wants to be with us. Um, the next verse I want to read is Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 and 16, 14 through 16. It says, so then since we have a great high priest who has entered, in, entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testing we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will find his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So that right there is once again proves that God is never far away. Jesus is never far away. He's right there. Jesus Jesus did it. He, he lived a perfect, sinless life. We can't. We never will. We're just sin, sinful people. But because of God's grace, it says there, it's like we can, we can let us, we, say we can go to the throne of our gracious God and there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Like in the movie, she needed it at that moment. She fell on her knees and she needed God's amazing grace. She needed his, his unrelenting mercy and he gave it to her unconditionally. He gives it to us unconditionally. Like that's the takeaway. God gives us his love, his grace, his mercy unconditionally, unrelentingly. Like it's, it's all, it's just constantly flowing onto us. All we have to do is just receive it. All we have to do is receive it. You know, if you're feeling shame or guilt about something, repent ask God for forgiveness and ask him to help you change and then just walk in the knowledge of knowing that he has given you the grace when you need him most he's given you the grace for the hard things he's given you the grace for the easy things he's given you the grace for the things that you're trying to overcome he's given you the grace for it just walk in the knowledge of knowing that God has given you the grace to overcome whatever it is that you need to overcome he's given you the he's given you the grace and the mercy and the love that you need to make it to that next step to make it past this trial it's just 
so encouraging. I'm just so encouraged um, by this movie, by these scriptures. And the last one is Isaiah 45, verse 19. And it says, I publicly proclaim bold promises. I do not whisper obscurities in some dark corner. I would never have told the people of Israel to seek me if I could not be found. I, the Lord, seek, I, the Lord, I, the Lord speak only what is true and declare only what is right. And that one, that one's probably my favorite one. Because he said, I publicly proclaim bold promises. I do not whisper obscurities in some dark corner. Like God is, God his word are those bold promises. The things that he's told you, spoken over your life, all those bold promises that he speaks boldly, um, publicly proclaiming them. Like, that's just so, like, God is like, I'm not hiding from you. He's like, I'm not hiding anything from you. I'm right here. I'm telling you what I, I'm telling you what is going to happen. I'm showing you how blessed you are. I'm showing, I'm showing you how, um, I'm telling you how much I love you. I'm telling you the things that I have prepared for you, the things I have planned for you, the things that I want for you. He's like, I'm not, I'm not whispering them in some dark corner. He's like, I'm not keeping anything from you. He says, I would not have told the people of Israel to seek me if I could not be found. He's like, I'm never far from you. He's like, if I, if I, he's like, I wouldn't have told you to seek for me if I was going to play hide and seek. He's like, I'm, there's no hide and seek going on. He's like, I want you to find me. I want you to look for me and I will be found by you. And he says, I, the Lord, speak only what is true and declare only what is right. So once again, like everything he says is true. He's those promises, those bold promises that he publicly proclaims are truth. He only speaks what is true and right. And so when he says he's given us grace and mercy, when he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock and I want to share a meal with you. That's the truth. You know what I'm saying? So you just have to walk in the knowledge of knowing that God, excuse me, God wants to, God wants to share a meal with you. God wants to be with you. He wants you to, he says, um, he's like, I would not have told them to seek for me if I couldn't be found by them. He just wants, he wants us to seek for him. Excuse moi. <laughs> he wants us to seek him. And he said, I will be found by you. So the point of this whole takeaway, the thing that I want you to remember when you watch this movie, when you watch this movie review, the thing I want you to remember just in your day-to-day life is that God is never far from us. He is literally standing at the door, knocking, wanting to share a meal with you. Like if you're going through a rough time, if you're going through a tough season, if you feel like the trials of this season are especially uh, burdensome, I mean, they're always burdensome, but you know, if you're just feeling like just extra way down, just invite God in. Cause he was like, I want to, I want to share a meal with you. And something about a meal is a meal is refreshing. You know, you eat a meal, it lifts your spirits. It makes you a little sleepy. So that means you get rest. It just makes you feel better when you eat a good meal. He's like, God's like, I just want to make you better. I want to make you feel better. I want to give you comfort and peace during this time. I want to share a meal with you. I want you to, I want you to let me in on these problems. I want you to talk to me. Like, you know, you're sharing a meal with somebody, you're talking with them, you're conversing with them. You're letting them know about what's going on, you know, in your, in your life. And so God's like, I want you to treat me like you treat your best friends. I want you to treat me how you treat your homies, your homegirls, your home skills, your homeboys, whatever. I want you to treat me like you treat them. It's like, I want, I mean, obviously not just like that. Obviously you're supposed to treat them with a high regard. You're supposed to have a high regard for God, a fear of the Lord, a love for the Lord that you don't have for just human people. But the point is he wants, he wants to have a meal with you. He wants to share a meal with you. He wants to experience life with you. He wants to do life with you. He wants you to invite him in and he is never, never far from you.
Okay, so that was it. That was it for the lesson. That was it for the movie review. That was it for this episode. Um, overall, the movie was really good. I really enjoyed it. But I watch it again. Maybe, probably not. It's one of those movies that, like, as good as it was, there's no reason for me to watch it again. Like, unless I'm just bored and there's nothing else on TV. Like, it's not as bad as, like, Menace to Society where you got to pay me to watch that junk again. But it was one of those, like, you can only, it's like, you only see, it's not one of those movies that, it's just not one of those movies that is just extremely rewatchable for me. Maybe for other people, but for me, it's not extremely rewatchable. But, like I said, I really liked it. It was good overall. Obviously, they took some stuff out. They took some details out. They added some details that weren't factual, and that bothered me. But overall, the movie was enjoyable, and the film left me with a reminder that God is always nearby. And so that is all I have for this episode. That's all I have for today. Um, Yeah, that's it. Have a great day. Great rest of your day. Great rest of your month, your week, whatever. Rest of your year. Um... So we're going to pray out and then we're going to be going to be out of this, this thing. So the Heavenly Father, God, I thank you, Lord, just for the just for this day. Thank you, Lord, just for the time and the opportunity to just talk about your word and just talk about this movie and how this movie inspired um, or rather this this how your word has been was inspired. How this movie was inspired by your word. Thank you, Lord. Um, and just how we can take away from this film, just how you are always nearby, you are never far away, and that you, we want to share a meal with us, and that you want us to seek you, because you are close by to be found. And I pray all these things in your son Jesus' name, amen. So, that is all that I have. Until next time, bye!